Welcome to Season 2 of the Minor and Landis Immigration Update Podcast, the podcast that immigration professionals and foreign nationals turn to for up-to-the-minute immigration information. Happy New Year, everyone. We're so happy you're joining us for our second year of the Immigration Update Podcast. We had no expectations when we began this podcast back in December of 2020. It seems like a long time ago. And we're really happy to see the steadily climbing growth in both subscribers and downloads. We've heard from many of you through Lynn Walker's LinkedIn Messenger. And we have to tell you, it feels good to know that we're providing useful information. So thanks for reaching out. And by the way, we will continue to be doing our lightning round Q&A episodes. So if you have any immigration questions you'd like answered, please feel free to message Lynn through LinkedIn. We keep all personal information strictly confidential when answering these questions in the podcast. So let's get started. 2021 has certainly had its share of challenges. And while we are hopeful that 2022 will see us pulling out of this pandemic and returning to somewhat normal, well, as normal as we can be, there are still many hurdles to overcome in the world of immigration for business, not the least of which is the enormous delays in processing of applications and petitions we've been seeing at USCIS. And so today's podcast is called, Why is USCIS Taking So Long to Process My Case? Written, of course, by immigration partner Lynn Walker. Now, I'll be presenting an abbreviated version here on the podcast, but if you'd like to read the full-length article complete with much more detail, charts, and information, please go to Lynn Walker's LinkedIn page where she has it posted. And as always, when searching, you spell Lynn, L-I-N. Since February of 2021, we have published a number of articles and podcasts discussing the historic backlogs and processing delays at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services and how these delays have impacted foreign nationals, families, and U.S. employers. If you're an immigration professional, you're already aware of these delays, I'm sure, but here are some specific examples. According to the American Immigration Lawyers Association, or AILA, from fiscal year 2017 to fiscal year 2019, USCIS processing times increased by more than 37%, even though during that same period there was a 10% decrease in the number of cases filed with USCIS. Part of the reason for this was that from March 18, 2020 to June 3, 2020, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, USCIS temporarily closed its offices, suspended in-person services, and instituted a work-from-home policy for its employees, which exacerbated these already historic delays. In recent months, the Office of the Inspector General performed an audit of USCIS to determine the effectiveness of the agency's information technology systems, which enable it to provide adjudicative services while its offices are closed or operating at a limited capacity, as due to COVID-19. The OIG report was titled, Continued Reliance on Manual Processing Slowed USCIS Benefits Delivery During the COVID-19 Pandemic. That's a mouthful, but I think it says it all. The OIG report was published on December 28, 2021, and offered detailed insights and analysis on how USCIS reliance on manual workflows and paper filings, its aged IT infrastructure, and severe funding cuts have dramatically impacted processing times and in turn affected millions of foreign nationals, their families, and their U.S. employers. 
There are some amazing stats on USCIS that the report revealed. And again, you can see Lynn's article on LinkedIn for the full list, but I'll give you one startling stat here. The OIG report provided the following background data on USCIS and its operations. USCIS has approximately 19,000 employees assigned to more than 200 offices throughout the world. It operates 88 field offices, which conduct interviews for immigration benefits such as adjustment of status to lawful permanent residence and oath ceremonies for naturalization, among many others. It operates 131 application support centers, which collect biometrics, and that's fingerprints and photographs, for benefits such as naturalization, employment authorization, and lawful permanent residence. And it operates five service centers, which adjudicate more than 102 different types of petitions and applications for immigration benefits. So here's the stat that I want you to hear. In fiscal year 2020, USCIS adjudicated more than 7.6 million applications, petitions, and other requests. So on an average day, the agency was adjudicating more than 26,000 immigration benefits, capturing more than 10,000 biometrics, and naturalizing more than 2,000 lawful permanent residents to U.S. citizen status. USCIS relies on several IT systems, databases, and tools to adjudicate immigration benefits, including 1. The Electronic Immigration System, or ELIS, which is a, quote, end-to-end -end electronic case management, document review and upload, document production, workload distribution, and workflow management, end quote, system. And 2 a computer-linked application information management system called Claims 3, which is used to partially process and adjudicate more than 50 different immigration benefits. Now, out of the more than 102 different types of immigration petitions and applications adjudicated by USCIS, ELIS can only process 17 of those benefits. 17 only including applications for naturalization, application to replace permanent resident cards, applications for adjustment of status, and petitions for non-immigrant workers, to name a few. In fiscal year 2020, USCIS used ELIS to adjudicate more than 2.8 million out of the 7.6 million cases completed, and that's approximately 37% of all cases. Although USCIS adjudicates some petitions and applications through electronic processing, the vast majority of its immigration benefits relies heavily on manual workflows and paper filings. Now here's what's important to note. Although USCIS adjudicates some petitions and applications through electronic processing, the vast majority of its immigration benefits relies heavily on manual workflows and paper filings. OIG found, and this next part is directly from their report, USCIS's primary operational challenge, however, was its continued reliance on paper files to process and deliver benefits. USCIS had limited capability to electronically process more than 80 types of benefits, which still required some manual workflows and paper files to complete cases. Recurring technology performance issues and equipment limitations further constrained USCIS employees' productivity, 
We attribute these challenges to funding cuts and lost fee revenue that limited spending during this time. These challenges further increased processing times and resulted in a backlog of 3.8 million cases as of May 2021. The OIG report states that when USCIS closed in March 2020 in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, the agency shifted its adjudicative efforts towards immigration benefits that could be completed electronically through ELIS, which meant that the vast majority of immigration benefits requiring manual processing and paper filings were delayed. The OIG report confirms that USCIS's field offices completed approximately 50% fewer cases from March to June of 2020 during temporary office closures as compared with the same time frame during 2019. During the audit, OIG had an opportunity to interview USCIS's senior officials and adjudications officers and found that the agency, like many companies in the private sector that enabled their employees to work from home in response to COVID-19, experienced significant technological challenges, which included limited access to printing and scanning technology, difficulties transferring documents to supervisors for review and signature, and difficulties mailing documents to petitioners, beneficiaries, and applicants. We've all been through this kind of thing lately, right? Quote, Adjudication officers said they were not issued printers or document scanners needed to process cases not fully digitized for electronic processing. Instead, officers said they queued completed documents for printing when next visiting the office, which delayed workflow requirements and routing for supervisory review and final approval or denial of benefits." End quote. Moreover, USCIS's aged IT infrastructure further exacerbated these challenges. There are many specific examples cited in the LinkedIn article, but let me just skip to this one salient fact. And this is the reason USCIS is falling so far behind technologically. The OIG report directly attributed USCIS's technology issues to a significant loss of funding. Unlike other DHS components, USCIS is predominantly fee-funded, receiving approximately 97% of its annual funding from fees charged to applicants requesting immigration and naturalization benefits. USCIS relies on this predictable fee revenue and its carryover funding from the previous year. However, as the COVID-19 pandemic began, USCIS faced significant fiscal insecurity that affected operational funding and planned activities across the component. In March 2020, when the COVID-19 pandemic began, a reduction in benefit applications sharply reduced fee revenue, which exacerbated USCIS's fiscal constraints. USCIS imposed extensive cost-cutting measures to mitigate impacts including a component-wide 32% funding reduction of all non-payroll expenses. According to Office of Information Technology officials, planned IT system enhancements and new electronic processing solutions were postponed when USCIS removed $118 million from OIT's budget for ELIS and global development and modernization of Claims 3 and other systems, including NASS. In response to these findings, 
OIG recommended that USCIS develop a strategy to digitize all benefits and workflows and create a funding plan to improve its IT infrastructure. The good news is that USCIS agreed and stated that DHS submitted to Congress a five-year plan to fully digitize USCIS workflows from submission through adjudication and fund projects to improve its IT infrastructure. But will it be enough to fix the problem? And will it happen fast enough? Well, we don't want to leave you on this depressing down note, especially in our first new episode of the season. So what can foreign nationals and U.S. employers do? Given the current landscape, it is really important for foreign nationals and their families and employers to work with competent immigration professionals who understand the regulations and procedures to file timely petitions and applications for immigration benefits. I mean, that part should be a no-brainer. But some other helpful tips include filing applications and petitions as soon as legally permitted, especially for applications and petitions that cannot benefit from premium processing service, and where renewals or extensions can only be filed within 180 days of the benefit's expiration date. If premium processing service is available, and the foreign national's ancillary benefits such as a driver's license will expire, the foreign national and or employer should consider availing themselves of the expedited processing provided by premium processing. Unfortunately, we should all continue to expect extensive USCIS delays and utilize the options available to address those delays, which may include, as we said, requesting expedited processing, requesting assistance from a congressperson, or filing a lawsuit to compel USCIS to adjudicate the long-delayed application or petition. But there is a bit more you can do as well. For years prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, immigration practitioners have been advocating for USCIS to digitize their processes and move away from the inefficient and wasteful paper-based filings and adjudications. For more than a decade now, we've been able to conduct many important aspects of our lives electronically. I mean, we can shop and bank online, attend classes virtually, and file and pay our state and federal income taxes electronically. As of a few years ago, there were very few businesses that were not conducting the majority of their business online. In response to COVID-19, many other industries that have lagged behind have moved their services online, such that we can now obtain medical advice through telemedicine and even renew our driver's licenses electronically. Why should USCIS be any different? There was always a concern that USCIS's reliance on manual processing and paper filings would become problematic as the rest of the world moved towards digital and electronic business operations. We knew this day was coming eventually, but we could not have predicted how extensively the COVID-19 pandemic would change the ways we live and do business. If nothing else, COVID-19 has taught us that we must adapt the ways we live, learn, and work in order to maintain and maximize, at a minimum, our health, productivity, efficiency, and success. Like every other organization, USCIS must also adapt. We are urging USCIS to implement real policy changes to reform our broken immigration system. Creating a five-year plan for change is a great start, but USCIS must take immediate action to resolve the more than 3 million cases that are backlogged. 
And finally, U.S. citizens and U.S. employers should contact their congressperson to advocate for and encourage USCIS to digitize the benefits and workflow processes to reduce these backlogs. Help us bring this problem to light. Let our elected leaders know that this is important and needs to be fixed. A large number of voices rising together is the best way to make progress with government agencies. As always, Minor and Landis will continue to closely monitor all immigration-related government operations and will publish updates as they happen. If you have any questions, please contact our experienced immigration attorneys to schedule a consultation. Disclaimer. The information contained herein is intended only for educational or informational purposes and is not a substitute for legal advice. Further, listening to this HR tip in no way establishes an attorney-client relationship between you and Minor and Landis LLP. Listeners should consult legal counsel for definitive advice regarding the current law and regulations and how those apply to your unique situation within your organization.